0: Hi, I'm Adam Pelshape, and you're listening to Off the Shelf, the Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. On today's episode, we talk with the author John Schlarbaum. John Schlarbaum was raised in the town of Lorne, Ontario. He began his writing career not in literature, but on television writing a number of syndicated national television programs. However, he also had a second career as a private investigator. His experience as a writer and as a PI amalgamated when he would write his first mystery novel, Barry Jones, Cold Diner. Since the release of that original book, John Schlarbaum has released a number of other mystery novels. I had a chance to sit down with the author recently, during which we discussed his novels, and what it meant to be a self-publishing author in the book industry. The first thing I want to talk about is Steve Cassidy. Now, you have three novels out uh, featuring Steve Cassidy as the main character. Yes. And, of course, he's a sarcastic, quick-witted private investigator. And (laughs) I found out that you were actually a private investigator yourself for about 17 years?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm actually still doing it sort of on a part-time basis. I've been doing it for about 20 years Uh, some full-time. There was about two and a half years. I owned a bookstore out in Amherstburg called Page 233, uh, where I thought my PI career was going to end. But unfortunately, the bookstore ended before that, and I got back into it more on a uh, part-time basis. So uh, the Steve character is really sort of my alter ego. I always tell people that he is Uh, He has a lot more fun than I've ever had as a private investigator, but also gets in a lot more trouble than I'd ever want to. Uh,
0: Needless to say, then, a lot of your personal experiences as a private investigator fed into the stories of Steve Cassidy, or is there a bit of embellishment to What happened?
1: Well, there's there's a lot of embellishment for the simple fact that I have generally worked um, with Steve. He works missing persons or cold case files. Uh, essentially. Sort of the twist with the Steve Cassidy books is he works a cold case that's already been solved. So what, he, what happens is he gets, somebody hires him a family member or someone in the community and says, here is a box of evidence that convicted my, say, son-in-law five years ago. He's been sitting in jail, but I know he didn't do it. Can you please review these notes again? So like the TV shows where you have a you know retired detective taking a box a dusty box off a shelf and looking for a murder with Steve the case somebody has already been arrested uh, has been convicted and has been sitting in jail and now it's up to Steve to sort of confirm if that was right or not. So with the with that type of storyline I personally as a private investigator have never done that type of work i've never worked on a missing persons or try to track somebody down the way he does or go through old files Uh, but what i do have is and what i give to steve is just the process of how you would go about doing such an investigation so my theory is always if my boss tomorrow handed me a file and said john i need you to go back to your old hometown to look into a missing person uh, you know, who a family man who disappeared seven years ago and find out if he's dead or alive, I have to think as a writer and as an investigator in that case, how would I go about that? When I go back to my old hometown, who would I talk to first? Where would I go? What questions would I ask? Where would I want my investigation to lead? So as the story evolves, I basically start investigating the story that Steve is investigating in my own mind using techniques and just the way that I've learned to think over the years, uh, how best to solve this case and work on this file.
0: So it's an exercise in deduction for yourself as well.
1: It really is. It, it's, it's, very, it's fun that way because with the Steve Cassidy books, he's a, uh, it's all written in a first-person narrative. So essentially you are Steve's uh, shadow as a reader. When he meets somebody for the first time, that's the first time the reader meets them. So as a writer, you have to make sure that that person is going to be an interesting character, somebody who's going to be memorable, because they may pop up in chapter 30. Later on, you'll have to go, oh yeah, I remember Steve talking to that mechanic way back then who gave him the lead to go to see Susan the piano teacher type of thing. I like writing both the Steve Cassidy books and my other uh, character, Jennifer Malone, who's a newspaper reporter, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but the one thing with the... There, there are red herrings because a lot of times, just like in real life, you start following a promising lead and a promising person that somebody says they should know something. And when you get there, they may not know something, but they will lead you to another character. So sometimes it's just, you know, you're... Steve, Can't put on some kind of tunnel vision and go, this guy is guilty. I'm just going to go out and try to find any evidence that he's guilty. I'm going to cash my check, and that will be the end of it. Like, who will know the difference? Because he's already in jail. Mm -hmm. He's already convicted. Why would I you know, help him, per se? But with Steve, he has a very interesting background. He's an ex-police officer, sort of now a flawed private investigator. And... So he has the background to do this work. He isn't just getting into this for uh the fun of it or it was some little side hobby that he had. He used to be a cop, he used to be in the vice squad and he used he had a bunch of troubles that got him off the police force, let's say. <laughs> he retired early, you know, with a push and a shove, and he had to do something else and his next logical avenue was I want to use all my deductive skills and and how I interview people use that in the private sector Mm
0: -hmm. now I do want to talk about your other detective that you mentioned earlier Jennifer Malone and I'm very curious because I would imagine writing for two different detectives one who happens to be male one who happens to be female must have forced you to make a much different approach in terms of how you decide to write these characters Maybe even the type of stories you told with them. I'm wondering what the major differences were between writing the Steve Cassidy stories and writing the Jennifer Malone stories.
1: Well, there's a there is three Steve Cassidy stories, and there's going there is now uh, two Jennifer Malone stories. And Jennifer is my sort of feisty, dynamic uh, investigative newspaper reporter for a, a big newspaper, sort of like the New York Times, and. With her, she is just sort of, she is fun, and she's energetic, and she's also very smart-witted. And with her books, it's all written more or less in a third-person narrative. So it's very different from the Steve Steve books, where if he finds a clue in Chapter 1, that leads him to talk to somebody in Chapter 2, then from Chapter 2 to Chapter 3. So as that story, as the Steve Casty stories, play out, he is collecting clues which are based on previous clues where with the Jennifer Malone books and a third person narrative is I can give Jennifer a couple of chapters of her own where she is doing investigations she is talking to people but then in the next chapter you will see characters who are at their house and they're talking with their co-conspirators or uh, you know somebody who's affected by whatever Jennifer is uh, looking into and that's fun for me as well because with the that way I don't have to worry so much about just focusing on Jennifer and I can expand the character range and the number of characters that a reader will uh, get involved with. It becomes more difficult, I think, because now I have all these different people who don't know Jennifer and she I have to have complete background stories of them. When the reader is reading the book, they know what happens or they know who these people are, but Jennifer hasn't talked to them yet. Mm-hmm. Hasn't got there. So I have to make sure that all these background characters that are part of the main plot are also interesting and also have their own way of thinking and their own dialogue and and I think that's it's almost harder uh, to do sometimes because I need to have the entire story figured out in my head or on a piece of paper. At the end of chapter one.
0: When you were younger, did you read a lot of mysteries? Was it something you wanted to pursue as a writer, or even as an investigator when you were older?
1: Uh, when I was when I was younger, I got into reading mysteries. We were always a big reading family. Like I remember, like we would have to every night just sit down and read a book, a book of our choice for like a half hour. Go up to your room, go over here, just read. half hour. So we were always, I was always a big reader. I was always at the library getting books. And I remember somehow getting interested in mysteries. And one summer when I was either 16 or 17 years old, all I did all summer was go to the library and pick up two or three Agatha Christie books. And then I would read them and I'd take them back and I'd get more and I'd get more. And I always just enjoyed that mystery aspect of uh, the way that she wrote and how her detectives sort of laid out everything and how they how they deduced what is going to you know happen i say the word deduce and people go oh he must have loved sherlock holmes for whatever reason i've never been able to get into sherlock holmes books i like the tv show the reboot that they've uh, that they've done recently but i always just enjoyed the especially in the agatha christie books where um you know perot would at the end of the book he would bring in seven or eight characters and sit them in a room and go, you know, you could have done this, guys, but you did not. And then he would go to the next person and he would say the same thing and it just whittled it down. And, and I found with my novels, I've sort of tried to do that as well, where I get the characters either all in one place at the end and Steve just goes, you could have done it because of this, 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 but you didn't. And for the most part, you know, readers will often say to me, "John, I have 40 pages to go in this book, and I have no idea who did it." And then they'll write a you know really good, you know, great review about it when they're uh, when they're finished. The Steve books are about knocking on doors and talking with people and figuring out clues from there. So it's not about uh, blood splatter or somebody working a computer that type something up like they do on Criminal Minds and they go, Oh yes, you know, Adam bought some gas at that gas station around the corner for thirteen dollars at two PM. So he was in the area at the time that person disappeared. And I'm I roll my eyes and I know the technology is there, but I want both Steve and Jennifer to be just working with their own wits more than anything else.
0: Now speaking of Jennifer Your upcoming novel is going to feature her as the main protagonist. Uh, That novel is going to be titled Abandoned. And you actually have uh, a Kickstarter campaign, which is currently running. Uh, If you could just talk a little bit about that campaign and maybe a bit about the novel.
1: Yep. The... um the novel sort of came about, again, from, from a real-life experience. This is the second Jennifer Malone book. The first one was called The Memorable Murder from about six years ago. And I was always, I brought out a new Steve Casty book. I brought out another book called Lasting Impressions, which is more of a psychological thriller uh, a few years ago. So I knew my fans who, you know, meet me at book signings and that go, John, I, when are you going to do another Jennifer Malone book? And one day I work as a, a patient transporter at a area hospital. And one day I went up to a elderly woman's room to take her down for a hip surgery. And I walk in and I said, I'll, I i do not remember her real name, but in the book, her name is Helga. I said, Helga, hi, I'm John. I'm here to take you down for your surgery. And she looked up at me and she said, don't let them kill me. And I'm like, no, 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 no one's going to kill you. We're going to give you a new hip. So we end up getting her down to the OR, and I'm sure the surgery was a complete success. But I remember walking out of the OR waiting area thinking, wow, there is the start of my new novel. You know, an elderly woman comes in for a simple hip surgery, and within an hour, she's dead. And she has this line, don't let them kill me, which the transporter named Luke, you know, finds very odd. And he happens to bump into Jennifer, who's there working another case on uh, a couple of John Doe's that have surfaced by the river. So that was the storyline, and I want to do a Kickstarter campaign. Um, For anybody who doesn't know a Kickstarter campaign, essentially what you're going to do is pre-order Abandon. Abandon will now be coming out in November 2017, so it's going to be coming out regardless. But just to pre-order it, it helps me or any kind of uh, artist who's has a musical book or some other type of project that they just need, it's almost like seed money, because there is gonna be a cost for printing these books that I will then sell later on. So just like if a new John Grisham book is coming out, people will go to the chapter's website and pre-order the book, they'll put in their credit card, and when the book is released, the book is sent to them and their credit card gets charged at that point. And that's exactly how the Kickstarter campaign uh, works. I have to hit a certain level of pre-orders. And then once that's done, everything is locked in. And as soon as the books come in, I will mail them to everyone. I will sign I will sign each copy. And then in November, I will start doing a book tour of uh, area craft shows and art shows and uh, bookstores. Now,
0: just so our listeners are aware, do you have the address for the Kickstarter?
1: Uh, it's just a kickstarter.com and you just go on to the uh, search or explore and type in the word abandoned and it will bring you up to the page. And on that page, there's a link to read the first chapter of the book, but it'll also show the different rewards or different options that are available to you. So if you pre-order one book, it'll be $20 and that includes shipping. If you order two books, I think it's $30. If you order three books, it's 42 and then 52. And 60. So depending on how many books you want, the price goes up a little bit, but per unit it actually goes down. So the more books you buy, you're getting a better deal, especially with Christmas coming up, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know in the back of my mind as well. Um, but there are a couple of uh, higher end pledges, rewards, uh, pre-orders where you would get two of the Jennifer Malone books, but then you would also get a 30 minute Skype interview with me, or an hour Skype interview with me. Because I'm always amazed if I'm doing some show somewhere and they come up and go, wow, you are the first author I've ever met. And they're always interested, just like we're having an interview here, about how did you come up with the story? How did you come up with these characters? And so that's one thing I thought was going to be you know, interesting to some people. They go, I can actually talk to John after I read the book and have a one-on-one book club session.
0: You just didn't decide to begin a Kickstarter on a whim because you had a successful Kickstarter campaign for your previous book. Yes. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. I believe that was the novel Last Impressions?
1: Lasting Impressions, Lasting Impressions. The the interesting thing about uh, Lasting Impressions that came out two years ago uh, was it was the very first novel I ever wrote. So I wrote it 25 years ago, and it was this giant... It became a Stephen King tome where it was 150,000 words because I was just writing it on my own. I used to work in the uh, television industry in the uh, Hamilton, Toronto area, and the show that I was working on went on hiatus for the summer, and I decided, well, you know, I'm off for a couple months. I wonder if I could write a book. So I wrote this book, Lasting Impressions, about a, a drifter who comes into a small town, just like the one that I grew up in, West Lauren, Ontario. and you know, he comes into town, he's mysterious, but everybody loves him because he's new and he's different. And he listens to all their problems. But they really don't know that he's also coming to town with a very you know dark secret. So with that book, the Kickstarter campaigns had really just sort of started to come up a few years ago. In the last three or four years, you start hearing about Kickstarter or GoFundMe or there's a few other fundraisers out there. But the, the campaign went really well. It was a, a 30-day campaign. Uh, we raised $4,500. People pre-ordered $4,500 worth of books. And essentially, it uh, it paid for the first run of the books. And I've had, luckily for me, I've had people come up to me just even a few weeks ago and go, John, Lasting Impressions is probably my favorite book of yours. And it was the first book. It was the one years and years and years ago when I didn't know how to write. But sort of the twist on this was, after writing so many, you know, after writing five full length mystery novels, I got better as a writer and I got better as an editor and a better ear for what I thought the public would like. So I could go back and pick up this novel by a first time author and go through it and edit it with a clearer vision of what was important and what wasn't important. So I took out like 35,000 words of this novel and it's 99% better. Because I'm just older and wiser and this was a book I always thought should come out. But once I started writing mysteries and started bringing them out, I just didn't know where to fit it in.
0: What was basically the catalyst for you to revisit this older story? Because I talked to some other authors and they say they would rather just forget about what they wrote when they were younger.
1: (laughs) Uh, What made you decide to revisit it? It was just a book that I have always felt that there was a great story in it, and I just wanted to get it out. But like I said, it could have been the first book I ever brought out, and it may have been horrible, right? If I would have brought it out 10 years ago, it would have been a book, but it wouldn't have been as good as it is now. Uh, it was just a story that always it always stayed with me, and a friend of mine, Jason Cabanaugh, he had read it in its just you know raw form, 10 years ago or 13 years ago and said, John, this book, you should really bring it out sometime. And when eBooks started to come into play, all my books are also available as ebooks for anybody who reads PDFs or has a Kindle or something. And he said, even if you don't wanna bring it out as a full book, you should bring it out as an e-book. And that was the catalyst to go, well, if I'm gonna bring it out as an e-book, I'm gonna edit it. So I might as well edit it and then bring it out as a full book. I just wanted to really just get it out there and show people that this is where it all started.
0: I do want to talk a little bit about publishing. Because I find this is an aspect not a lot of people talk about when it comes to literature. Because I do appreciate the art, of course, that's why we go to read books. But there's a business and manufacturing element to it as well. And there has traditionally been the idea that a writer completes a manuscript, hands it into a publisher, Often it will be rejected multiple times before, uh-huh. on a wing and a prayer. It's <laughs> Been accepted. there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now there's a new movement of authors publishing independently, whether through eBooks or even going to self-publishing labs like what we have at the Windsor Public Library. Yep. What was the catalyst for you deciding to publish your books independently?
1: Really, at the at the time, um, I started. Th- I started doing this 12 years ago. So in 2005, I'm working full time as a private investigator. I have one unpublished novel that I've written. I think it was probably just lasting impressions. Uh, and then I had these two short gift books that I had written specifically for people. One was called The Doctor's Bag for uh, My Father for Father's Day. And I bound it up, what, how you could you know get a book bound in a little hardcover. And, Gave it to him for Father's Day. That was it. A year later, my best friend Sam uh, was getting married to Sherry Lynn. And I wrote them a story called Aging Gracefully Together. Again, I self-published it, what you could do back then, and gave it to them as a gift. Ten years later, I decide, uh, with the encouragement of some friends, to just start bringing out these little gift books. And at the time, I'm like, it's a very small gift book. It's not going to cost a lot of money. I can go out and do the promotion myself. And that's where it started. I started Scanner Publishing. I have graphic designer friends who would help me with the cover and the formatting. But it's still up to me as a self-publisher to go out and get the book to the public. And for me, it was always just a step of bringing out these two gift books. One of the sort of advantages that I thought of very early on was how am I going to keep my name in front of people who are buying these books at gift shops or gift stores or book signings and the one thing i did and i advise this to self-published authors all the time is i brought a, a gift sign book a guest book that the people would write their name and their email address and i started a newsletter so with the newsletter over the last 10 years it usually comes out once every month once every couple months it's not a weekly thing it's not a monthly thing but it keeps people in contact with me and where I'm going to be. And, and I think that has helped me tremendously keep my name out there in, in the reading uh, uh, public because they they see what I'm doing. And I'm doing, now I, I wrote uh, some murder mystery uh, interactive plays. And so people would start, they would get my newsletter and they would come out to Amherstburg or they come into Windsor to participate in these interactive plays that I wrote. Mm-hmm. So with me, when I first started, there really wasn't a self-publishing industry. Or, or if there was, it was very expensive to do. These days, you fast forward to 2017, and I can come into the main library here in Windsor, and you guys can print off an actual book in four minutes. I have to do all the work prior to that, a PDF of the cover and the P- but it's there, and I can physically have it in my hand, and I can print off one copy. I can print off 500 copies, and it's just because technology has really expanded the way people can do stuff. Ebooks are very easy to to get out there or have somebody put together and then put on all the ebook websites around the world. It's just technology has really allowed people to do their own thing. Like years ago, as far as cost goes if you went to self-publish your book through some kind of book publisher, not a random house, but somebody that actually just physically made books, it was a vanity press project. Mm -hmm. So back in the 70s, you know, I write this book. Well, you know, I'd go to this place and, you know, say, oh, I want, you know, 20 copies for, you know, my, for all my friends, but it might cost you $20,000. Like it was a ridiculous price. And those days are done now. You can honestly print off a book that's readable, that you can hand to somebody and be proud of, for under $20 per book. And the more books that you order, obviously, the price will go down. And that's the same here at your uh, the self-publishing lab at the Windsor Library. What can readers expect
0: from John Schlarbaum coming up?
1: Uh, once the uh, new abandoned book is out in November, I will... Um, promote that, you know, from now until, from then until uh, Christmas and in the new year, I think I'm gonna probably step away from writing uh, new material for a bit. I've brought out three full-length mysteries or three full-length novels, uh, plus I wrote four uh, mystery plays where all interactive characters and and that over the last five years. And I'm just gonna focus on uh, trying to bring one of my first uh, books out called Aging Gracefully Together uh, bring it on to a on uh, stage so I'm going to be writing the uh, the play for for that just adapting my own book because the book originally started as sort of one act plays
0: if anyone is listening right now and they're interested in reading your works where can they find them should they go online what bookstores can they find the books at
1: uh, my books here in uh, Windsor, you can get them um, basically at all of the uh, bookstores. Uh, if you want signed copies, the easiest thing and the fastest way to do it is going to my website, uh, which is uh, scannerpublishing.com. And for anybody who just wants to look at my uh, work, you can actually read the uh, first chapters, read the reviews and that, also at scannerpublishing.com. It's uh, very easy to navigate. and. Uh, you can always contact me through the website as well. If you want to get books or need a special order, I'm uh, I'm available for that too. Well,
0: John, I want to thank you so much for being our guest on today's program. Thanks
1: All right. Sure. Thanks very much, Adam. It was great uh, meeting you.
0: You have been listening to Off the Shelf, the Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. I would like to thank our guest John Schlarbaum for talking with us today. Remember, his novels can be borrowed from the Windsor Public Library. If you have a comment or question about today's episode, feel free to send those to offtheshelf at Library.com.